going to go to the, back to the end of Job. And we started last week with Job finally meets God. He's been looking for him. He felt he's abandoned him. He'd lost him. He didn't know that his soul was the battleground of a cosmic conflict between Satan and God. There's more to give you insight in this book about our adversary than any other book in the Old Testament. Now, there's lots in the New, but in the Old Testament, it's, it's, it's very hidden and that's one of the ploys or the methods of the devil. He wants you to not believe in him. Most people would think the devil wants to be worshipped. No, he wants to have you worship something other than Jesus. Even if it's yourself, anything that deflects from the glory to Jesus makes him happy. He hated Job because Job worshipped the living God. And so this battle's been going on throughout the whole book. Some commentators, a lot of them say that after he afflicted Job with boils and his wife told him to curse God, that there's no mention of the devil in the rest of the book. But that's just looking at it with a blinders and not understanding that every lie that was spoken by the friends was demonic wisdom, that they sowed condemnation and, and evil in Job's mind. Job had mental torment from the devil that he was unaware where they were come from. He thought it was God that was his enemy. It was so deceived. And, and then at the end of the book here, you might think when God appears to Job that Satan is nowhere to be found, but you know the conflict is, is coming to an end, and he's, he's, still, he's still a participant, and he still wants to steal Job's soul. So as he watches on, God's restoring him in this great way, not by, by punishing him for having doubts, and, 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 but by saying, hey, let's go for a walk, son. And he takes him through the garden of the creation. I love the, 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 what we went through last year, week about the different ten animals that God has fun with the horse and the hawks and the lions. And, and basically showing Job, I'm, I'm really a good creator. I, I make good stuff. And Job, you're good stuff. That's the implication. I love this creation, but Job, you're the crown of your, you're made in my likeness. Job, I, I made that ostrich just to make us laugh and have fun. Job, I want you to be restored in your joy. So he takes him to the wonders of some of the creation, obviously not all, the stars and the heavens and the rain and the ice and, and on and on. I sent my friend uh, the note in Job where God says that he stores up snow like treasure. And my friend who lives in Maine hates snow, hates it. I said, God says it's a treasure. He said, it might be to God, but it's not to me. So there's this just fun. It's just good. It's God's creative, and he cares for the planet. He waters the desert that nobody lives on it. Like nobody, there's no benefit but his. So this is... You could just see the chains falling off of Job and having this, this, this incredible wonder of, of how amazing his God is. Now, he's going to turn the corner. He's going to do two more creations this morning. They're monsters or dragons or dinosaurs. And we'll talk about that in a minute. But first, God's going to revisit Job same way he did the first time in the, in, as he's kind of bringing him out of himself, as he's healing him and restoring him. So we're going to pick up the, 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 the story in chapter 40, verse 6. Very similar to where in chapter 38 he first appeared in this storm, and, and, uh, but he's still, still calling Job to go deeper and come into the freedom that he has. Verse 6, Then the Lord spoke to Job out of the storm, Brace yourself like a man. I will question you. You'll answer me. 
Would you discredit my justice? Would you condemn me to justify yourself? Do you have an arm like God's? Can your voice thunder like his? Verse 10, then adorn yourself with glory and splendor. Clothe yourself with honor. In other words, dress up like God. He said, just go ahead and be, that's dress up day. This is go, yeah, let's become the superhero of the world, the universe. I want you to be God for a while, Job. You seem to think I'm not doing a good job at it. That's the implication here. Let's give you a shot. And verse 11, unleash the fury of your wrath. Look at every proud man and bring him low. In other words, can you deal with the arrogance and pride in a way that's redemptive and brings justice to the earth? And he says in verse 12, look at every proud man and humble him. Crush the wicked where they stand. Bury them all in the dust together. Shroud their faces in the grave. In other words, I'm going to give you a shot at being me, and let's see if you can be just and kind at the same time. Do you know most of us become like the devil to fight evil. Stay with me, because political season's coming back around. I'm just going to get in a little few shots before, you know, some didn't listen to me in the last service, and so maybe you will. But listen to me. You're never effective against evil, being like evil, to defeat evil. It's like the guy that said, hey, we're going to have peace when we kill everybody that's against peace. You can't win in the kingdom of God by being like the evil you're trying to overcome. You, you can't, there, there, Jesus didn't overcome being like the evil. He came in a whole different way and defeated evil by love and kindness and humility and so he's saying to Job, how would you do it, buddy? How you, let's give you a shot at running the world. Let's see if you, because you've accused me of not being just or fair or, or right. And let's just, get, let me give you a shot at this, buddy. Now, he's going to, verse 14. Then I will admit to you that your right hand can save you. So you don't need a savior. You don't need a God. You are God. I'll admit, in other words, you, you usurped my place. That's, you become another Satan. God's setting him up to introduce Satan to him. This is what Satan has done. I can run the universe better than God. I can be like God. So therefore, he mocks and he questions. From the Garden of Eden, when he said to Eve, did God really say that you'll, you won't die if you... He's so mocking. God just knows... He's holding back good stuff from you. If you just go eat the fruit, you get in on stuff that God just is, I don't know why, but he's not wanting you to get, he doesn't want you to be like him. They already were. Evil tries us to get us to do something and find something that we already have. It would get us to find love and we're already loved. Get us to find joy when we're already, and, 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 and so Job is like, I'll admit to you, God says, you run the world, you conquer evil, and I'll let you be God. And Job's like, no, no, no. Now he's going to have two, two monsters. This is, I call this message, Job faces his monsters. Hopefully you will too. There's a land monster, and then there's a sea monster. There's different extremes of opinions. Some see the land monster as a hippopotamus, and the sea monster as a giant crocodile. Okay, none of them, if you read the story, 
There's nothing. It could be. Well, we'll get to that. Did you say megalodon or so? Okay. It, yeah, it could, it could be. That's going to be, I'll get to that. But some see them as just literal, whatever they are, they're creations of God. But there's also symbolism that ebb and flows because when you read about these creatures, there's no animal that could ever fulfill it. There's a, there's a spiritual aspect and some would say, well, that's just mythology of the pagans and they're using that language. Nobody believes it's true. Because like every culture pretty much had a belief in a fire-breathing dragon. So you could say, well, that's just a mythological thing or was there a dinosaur that breathed fire? We'll talk about that in a minute. So Job's about to move from watching the hawk flying and the horse to these monsters that, in, that, that, are, that, that inspire fear and terror. Job is about to get a clue that something has been going on far more than in the natural in his life. So he says to Job, we'll start, we'll look at the first monster or beast is an earth monster. In verse 15, God says, look at Behemoth. Now somehow it's there. Now either it was an animal that had gone extinct. You say, what happened to all the dinosaurs? I'll tell you, it's not a hard solution. If you believe the Bible, there was a flood that killed every animal so that most dinosaurs could have died in the flood. The ones that came on the ark could have gone extinct because of the change in the climate. So there, there's no, I have no problem. It doesn't challenge me that there was once a, a giant, giant elephant with hair and they find the tusk of it, a mascodon and, and these, you know, and so we're, I have no problem with God making things that are just huge and massive and you know it, it, but there's something more that's going on that no animal can fulfill these qualifications or characteristics so he says i want you to look at behemoth which i made along with you so it's a creature so is satan satan was a created being made as lucifer he was in charge much of the government of god and the worship of god he was a, it was the most bright and, and glorious creature that God had made. You, you learn that from the book of Isaiah and Ezekiel. And, and he, he, was, he was chief among all of God's creation until pride was found in him. Well, first thing you need to know about every monster is that it had a creator. And that's what we... And so this monster I made along with you and it feeds on grass like an ox. What strength he has in his loins, what power in his muscles, his belly, his tail sways like a cedar. Kind of hard finding a hippo there because I've seen hippos' tails. His sinews of his thighs are close-knit. His bones are tubes of bronze. His limbs are like rods of iron. He ranks first among the works of God, yet his maker can approach him with his sword. We'll come back to that sword in a little bit. The hills bring him their produce and all the wild animals play nearby. Under the lotus plant, he lies hidden. Again, think of the enemy's greatest ploy as hiding. Darkness, deceiving. Doesn't want you to think. He wants you to think it's a joke. Just don't blurt out anything out loud and don't answer. But just ask yourself the question, is there, have I had any encounters with darkness that makes me understand that there's a real enemy in my life? If you can answer that with no, I've never had, then you're in a deep place of deception in your life. 
And that's not a good place to be. You say, well, I made a deal. I leave the devil alone. He leaves me alone. No, then you're right into his hands because he doesn't make deals. We'll see that in a minute. The hills, I've read that. He's hidden. Verse 22, the lotus conceal him in their shadows. The poplars and the streams surround him. The river rages. He's not alarmed. He's secure. Though the Jordan should surge against his mouth. Verse 24, can anyone capture him by the eyes or trap him with a uh, a pierce his nose? In other words, he's uncontrollable, this behemoth. But worse than him is Leviathan, the next chapter. Verse uh, 1 of 41, can you pull Leviathan, which means the dragon, the sea dragon, the sea monster, can you pull Leviathan with a fish hook or tie down his tongue with a rope? Can you put a cord through his nose or pierce his jaw with a hook? Will he keep begging you for mercy? Will he speak to you with gentle words? In other words, you could say, well, this is just poetic, but he's also talking about a, a creature that speaks. Now, that didn't seem to shock Eve when she's in the garden and the serpent came to her speaking. Now, when you think of serpent, we think of a snake. But before the fall in the garden, the serpent was upright. When he came to Eve, he came upright. Part of his curse for allowing the devil to use him was he lost all of his appendages and he eats dust the rest of his life, which I love that the story of Job ends with dust in Satan's mouth, just dust. He lost the battle. So the serpent comes in this beauty arrayed like the sunlight shining and glistening on his body probably the most handsome of creation filled with with the dark one he becomes an instrument of temptation to eve so the enemy utilizes so these creatures whatever they are could just be natural creatures that are majestic and terrorizing or they could be representative of darkness that is really behind what's going on in Job's life. And then he says, can you make a pet of him? Or or verse 4, can you make an agreement with him? No. Can you make a pet of him? Verse 5, no. Verse 7, can you fill his hide with harpoons? No. I mean, there's no animal that you can't harpoon. This is more than an animal here. He's speaking of something spiritual that your weapons aren't going to work. Your Glock ain't going to get him. I know you're packing. You feel confident. You can't shoot a demon. You become like him when you try to shoot him. Weapons of this world are foolishness. They don't touch darkness. We need a whole new system of weapons to fight against evil that is around us. And Job is starting to get just a little bit of sense that there's more going on here than I'm just being attacked by God. No, you're not. Verse 8, if you lay a hand on him, you remember the struggle and never do it again. Hope of subduing him is false. The mere sight of him is overpowering. Now remember, this is excluding God because he says, verse 10, no one is fierce enough to rouse him. Who then is able to stand against me, God says. If you can't stand before this Leviathan, how are you going to face, I made him. Now, hold your finger here just for a second. If you're looking on your Bible, we'll come right back to this. But Job had mentioned Leviathan earlier in chapter 3, which is the dark, arguably the darkest chapter 
in Job. This is where Job has finally snapped. He's lost all his children. He's lost all his possessions. He's filled with, covered with boils. His wife's told him to curse God. He's at the lowest low. Demonic spirits are lying to him. Doubt is assaulting him. And he starts cursing his life, cursing the day of his birth. He basically wishes he was never born. It's the dark place where suicide is born out of. Job never, ever attempts to take his own life. But he does get to the place of spiritual suicide, basically saying, I give up on wishing I'd ever been born. But in the middle of this, he mentions Leviathan. In chapter 3, verse 8, May those who curse days curse that day, the day of his birth. Those who are ready to rouse Leviathan. In other words, I'm going to stir up the enemy. I'm going to stir up evil. He realizes that cursing is where darkness lives in. You know, it's all around us today. There's all different types of santeria and, and witchcraft and white witchcraft and seances and, and, and Ouija board curses and palm reader curses. And there's all kinds of stuff that's out there that's a demonic way to put stuff on people. We had a, a friend of ours that was told in a, by a psychic uh, reading her palm that she'd only ever have one child and he would grow up to despise her. Now, it doesn't take, now, they weren't walking with Jesus at the time. And so she had a child, a boy, and she had a second child, miscarriage. Third child, miscarriage. Fourth child, she's bleeding, miscarriaging. We don't know anything about that. We pray over her, and it comes to her mind because we said, Lord, where's the enemy getting a foothold to steal her children? And what she flashed back to sitting in a palm reader's office and the palm reader cursing her. See, that's demonic. To tell somebody how many, I had somebody come to me one time that attended the church and said, God showed me how you're going to die. And I wanted to say, I know how you're going to die. I'm going to kill you right here. (laughs) See, that's where evil becomes like evil. You become the, just like the... I don't need a prophecy to tell me how you're going to die. That's why I don't carry a gun. I'd have probably shot him right on the spot, become evil, and then he knows how I'm going to die. I'm going to go to prison and die. How wicked is that? How wicked is that? And that was about, you know, and and I know when you're going to die and how you're going to die. People think that was God. He thought that was God talking to him. No, no. So she had this palm reader go back. So we rebuked the curse in the name of Jesus. God stopped the bleeding. That boy has been on the mission field in Australia, uh, Jeremy Hoover. He's now, I don't know, he's, he's a little younger than Ark. He's in his early 40s, and he's fathered four children. And so the enemy lost because someone stood against the curse. When you rouse Leviathan, How did Job, Job's thinking he'll rouse him by wanting to curse. I'll tell you, go back to God warning Job about rousing him in verse 10 of chapter 41. No one is fierce enough to rouse him. In other words, you're rousing something that's way, you don't know what you're messing with here. And how do you think Job roused the devil? Unknown to him. When he worshiped God, Satan said, I hate him. When he walked in righteousness, Satan said, I hate him. When he prayed for his children, I hate him. 
when he trusted God, when he lost everything. I hate him. When he had boils on his body and suffering, and he still gave God praise. It's rousing the enemy. So I bring wave after wave of attack. So the point of this isn't to get us to go, oh my goodness, the monsters are great. They're too powerful for us. But God is trying to show Job, you want to fight with me, you can't even deal with the monsters, and you want to get to me. I made the monsters. I control the monsters. I defeat the monsters. Look at this verse in Isaiah 27, and we'll come right back to Job. Isaiah 27. Remember I showed you that about the sword and the behemoth, and it says no one can approach him, but his maker can come with his sword? Look at this verse. It's about an evil king that was inhabited by the devil in the Babylon, and God's giving a prophecy, and it applies to the end time. But look how he describes Leviathan. In Isaiah 27, Leviathan, the coiling serpent, serpent, he will slay. No, no, let me start. So, verse 1. In that day, the Lord will punish with his sword his fierce, great, and powerful sword. You know what that sword is? Somebody can flash forward in the New Testament. Book of Revelation. John sees Jesus. It's a vision. It's not literal. It's a vision. His face glowed like the sun. What came out of his mouth? Two-edged sword. It's the word of his power. When he comes back in Revelation 19 on the white horse, sword is how he defeats. It's the power of his word, his truth, his message. That's our weapon. So God says, in that day I will punish with my sword his fierce and great and powerful sword, Leviathan the gliding serpent. Come on. The coil, Leviathan, the coiling serpent, he will slay the monster of the sea. This is what Jesus came to do. This is an Old Testament prophecy of Christ defeating the powers of hell. We know from the book of Revelation that the dragon is the devil and he's cast down. And he comes to earth, he's the accuser of the brethren. What's he done through the whole book of Job? Accuse, accuse God, accuse Job, accuse him. So when you see this, all of a sudden Leviathan moves from being whatever kind of creature, dinosaur, monster to, he represents something bigger, more powerful, something spiritual. You'll see this as we go on. This is not some creature, it's a spiritual being as well. In verse, uh, uh, verse 12, I will not fail to speak of his limbs, his strength, his graceful form. Who can strip off his outer coat? Who would approach him with a bridle? Who dares open the mouth, doors of his mouth, ringed about with his fearsome teeth? His back has rows of shields tightly sealed together. Each is so close to the next that no air can pass between. They're joined fast one to another. They cling together, cannot be parted. His snorting throws out flashes of light. His eyes are like the rays of dawn. Firebrands stream from his mouth. Sparks of fire shoot out. Smoke pours from his nostrils as from a boiling pot over the fire of reeds. His breath sets coals ablaze. Flames dart from his mouth. Now that's a dinosaur, okay? That's not, a, that's not an alligator or a crocodile. That's a, that's a creature that, you say, well, I just think it's poetic, it's mythological, and it's not really real. Well, Job's seeing something. God is showing him this fierce 
monster, this Leviathan, this dragon of the sea. And in this fierceness, he's revealing what he symbolizes in the darkness. I felt that fiery breath on my neck before many times. The enemy one night, I forget, laying in bed, and he said, tonight, your children are going to die in a car crash. But I heard it as though it was God talking to me. And it just, it just put chills up and down my body. That's a monster came in my room of fear, threatening, bullying, intimidating. The point of this story is not for you to go, wow, these are fierce monsters. Godzilla's on the loose. Where's King Kong when you need him? You're, 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 that's not the point of this. It's not to go, wow, these creatures are, 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 no, it's the God who made them has a sword that will destroy them. The God who made them, Job, don't be terrorized by the monsters. Face them. The monsters that may be in your way today could be fear of failure, could be fear of rejection, drives people to do horrible things. Fear of loss, fear of security, being, you know, could be shame. Shame's a monster that's worse than a dragon with a fiery. You don't ever want to get close to Jesus because he might deal with this in your life, or you might have to deal with that. Somebody may find out this about you. I remember facing the monster of shame when I went to the counselor for the first time. You don't know what it's like to be a pastor that does counseling to go to counseling. Failure is what was written over my head. It's like I walked to the big sign in the door. I'm a loser pastor. Why? Because I'm human. I'm flawed. I'm sinful. I need input, help. I could see my kids going to counseling and their t-shirt could say, my parents are the reason I'm in counseling. That's just true. Some of you parents that don't think that's true, you know, I, I, there's so many things I'd do differently raising my kids. I made so many mistakes. That's where mercy comes in and grace. I don't have to be defined by my failures. Job, face these monsters. Now, now stay with me. For, stay with me. So God's showing you the fierceness of these. That, 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 verse 24, his chest or heart is hard as a rock. In other words, there's no mercy in this heart. You ever think, you know, there's one thing you'll never deal with with Satan, and that's mercy. It's not in his vocabulary. He doesn't say, look, they're having a bad day. Go easy on them. Look, he's lost his spouse to cancer. You know, that's a hard blow. Let's just give him a few weeks and months to kind of retaliate, to recuperate. To... No. What does a wolf do when he's chasing a herd and he sees the limping of a, of a wounded antelope? or strained leg muscle, and they can't keep up with the rest of the herd. Does the, the, does the wolf go, ah, oh, that's just not fair. This is going to be an easy kill. No, he says, supper. Not going to have to run so fast. If you think you're going to find mercy in darkness when you're discouraged, he's going to make you move from discouragement to depression to, a, to suicide. He's not happy with just you being wounded, he wants to kill you. You know, this happened to me in, a, in a, just a, a real way. 
A number of years ago, when we were doing food ministry, carrying groceries to distressed areas, we were in uh, an area, and, and there was a cracked-looking house. If you don't know what that is, then good. But it was a doors hanging off the front, screens are out, the porch. and it, So I had two young kids with the youth group with me and my wife, and it just something said, the Holy Spirit said, tell the boys stay in the, in the car. So, boys, you just stay in here. Let me go out and check the street. So I'm walking up. Hello? Hello? And right when I got within, because he knew exactly how far his chain would go, around the corner comes a pit bull. Now, I get it. There's no bad animal. There's bad owners. Well, this was a bad owner and a bad animal. And so his eyes were demon. I mean, I'm just, and I'm sure he'd been tormented and whatever. So he comes around, and I've never been, at that time, now, a little dog yelps at me, and I get a little quiver. I just, yeah. But back then, I had no fear of dogs. I always had big dogs. I always thought I'd grab him by the throat or kick him in the teeth. I had time to take one step, and he bit me in the midsection like a kick from a mule, knocked me to the ground. While I'm down, he doesn't go, oh, bless his little heart. I bet he's learned his lesson now. Don't come to my crack house. No, my wife jumps out of the car and says, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke you. My wife, Pastor Kim. In that moment, that main, that dog maniac, demonized dog, his mouth is salivating. He's going to go for this. Every dog knows when they fight, this is where, this is where you go. You go for the juggler. If you watch lions make their kill, he's going to, he stops. He looks at her. The Holy Spirit gave me a moment of mercy, and I scooted on the ground, three scoots, turned at me, and lunged to go, and the chain jerked him back. I got up. I'm so dis... I mean, I'm disoriented, and the lady comes out, and I said, ma'am, your dog just... I don't give it. She gave more F-bombs than the rap song could do. I'm telling you, she dropped the... And I just sat there and took it. I'm in a shock. Later that night, I laid in bed and thought about doing a drive-by killing the dog first but if she got in on it too oh well i told you becoming evil to overcome evil is not good i didn't say i never thought about it i recognize that's evil jamie that's dark how about just killing the dog i could i, sh I shot him so many times that night in my sh in my i just shot then i poisoned him Rode by with a, a thing of of hamburger meat with drano on the inside lobbed it out the window it was just in my mind, but that's wrong. I had to stop. I, I had to pray for the woman. I don't think I prayed for the dog. <laughs> it's like the guy I had in seminary class. We were arguing, and dogs go to heaven or not. He said, well, if dogs go to heaven, mine's going to hell because he's a bad dog. <laughs> so Job's in this lesson of, I'd rather look at the horses and the ostriches and, and the stars and the rain and the... Uh, I'm looking at these monsters. They're, they're intimidating. They're, but God's trying to free him from that intimidation. He's trying to show him that what's been breathing down his throat... Now, let me just kind of wrap this up. There's so much more, but it's, it, 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 he goes on to talk about the sword. This isn't God's sword, but human sword, the spears in verse 26, the dart, the javelin. You know, you can't touch him. Arrows don't you? There's no weapon that's going to hurt him. That's not an animal. That's that, that, there are not animals. This is a spirit being 
that God's trying to show that there's a different battle going on here, Job. Verse 33, nothing on earth is his equal. A creature without fear. Who's the one that inspires fear? In fact, go back to verse 22 real quickly, if you would. I wanted to just highlight, strength resides in his neck, dismay goes before him. So you see, A, he fears nothing, and B, he, he it's just, you know what dismay is? Dismay is when you're sucked dry of all courage, all hope. Dismay is that when fear has you by the throat and you can't move forward. To be dismayed is to be in a place of being crippled by fear. I can't move. I can't get ahead. I can't face this. I can't. He lives causing dismay. He has no fear of us. Now, the demons are scared to death of Jesus. When he showed up on the scene and the demons would scream out, Jesus, have you come to torment us before our time? I wrote yes in my Bible right there in Matthew 8. Jesus came to defeat the Leviathan and the behemoths of our life, the darkness, the deceiver, the chains of bondage, the sins that he lures us into, thinking that this is somehow going to fulfill us, and he traps us, and he binds us, and he condemns us. And so then God closes with this to Job, this face your monsters with verse 34. He looks down. This is, this is Leviathan. This is Satan. He looks down on all that are haughty because he's the king over all that are proud. His dark kingdom is ruled over by arrogance and pride. The enemy lives in pride. There's no greater weapon of his. His pride started his rebellion. It tells us in Isaiah that pride, 14, pride was found in his heart. Now listen to me. God rules over a kingdom with humility, out of love. Satan rules over a kingdom out of fear and uses people's pride. Now, once you're alert to, I have a real enemy, I rouse him by following Jesus. Now, you may say, well, then I won't rouse him. I won't. Then you fall into his hands, and he can just mold you however he chooses. But when you say yes to Jesus, you get baptized, we're going to do on Palm Sunday, you declare, I belong to Jesus. You're in this battle that Job is in. You'll have more understanding of it than Job did. When I got water baptized, it was, I, I told someone that this morning that gave their heart to Jesus last service. I said, he said, I'm going to get baptized. I said, don't be shocked that right after your baptism, you'll have a full-on attack of the enemy. It'll be so evident that it's the enemy that it'll, he'll expose himself. He can't stand it because he's so angry when he loses someone to Jesus. So here's Job. He's been through hell and back. He thought it was God. I think God's showing him by these monsters that, Job, I'm not the monster. I'm the one that you ought to trust and respect. Don't be intimidated by them. Don't, God's point was not to put fear in Job's heart of the monsters. It was to free him from the fear of the monsters. Whatever they are in your life, 
that torment you, that keep you as a bully from doing what God wants you to do. Job ends this part, and we'll pick it up next week, but in verse 42, verse 1 and 2, then Job replied to the Lord, I know that you can do all things. No plan of yours can be thwarted. This is after facing Behemoth and Leviathan. Job comes out of this not by saying, wow, they're fierce creatures. He's like, wow, they're nothing to you. They can't stop you. Isn't that good? That's faith. That's faith that says, God, I can't fight them. I can't run the universe. I can't overcome evil. I can't destroy these monsters. I see now that Leviathan was stirred up back in my darkness when I wanted to curse things. He's been stirred up. He's been after me. Now, I don't know how much Job got. I don't know that. Part of his test was never knowing fully the contest that he was involved in. But I just got to believe that God is giving his son some understanding here of where the darkness and the fierce wickedness came from. Came from the monsters that try to steal, kill, and destroy. So this morning, God wants you to fear no monsters. Some of you have fast-forwarded in your mind to the book of Revelation where there's monsters that come out of the sea and rise up on the land, the Antichrist, the false prophet. There'll be monsters in the land. There are monsters now, fears, rampant. It's a world that the enemy's blowing up monsters, making them bigger and bigger and bigger. And you can live in the fear every day of another monster rising, and they will. Or you can remember the God that rules over every monster, whose sword will crush the head of the serpent. Amen? Let's pray. Nothing to fear, because greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. Job, don't fear these. I created, I control, I will conquer them. Trust me, Job. That was his freedom. He was freed from the monsters so that he could trust in the maker, the maker of heaven and earth. This morning, if you have never said yes to Jesus fully, and maybe in your head you've known about him, you've gone to church, you know something about the Bible, but you've never said Jesus as Job just did, I surrender all to you. I'm not going to live in fear of these monsters of my sin and my guilt and my past. I'm going to lay that at the feet of Jesus. You died for me to defeat every monster in my life, every fear, every guilt, every shame, every lie. So if that's where you are this morning, just whisper a prayer to Jesus. Say, Jesus, come take my life and be my Lord. Be my Lord. Just ask him be my Lord. Now, many of you believers have done that, but you need to ask yourself, what are the monsters that are threatening you? Fear of what? What is it that, that the enemy's using to bully you, to keep you from going all in with Jesus, holding you back, tormenting you, lies? You might even think they're words from God, but they're lies, darkness, hides behind these lies. Father, we just pray in this time of ministry that your spirit will come and set people free, Lord, in Jesus' name.